on page 920 of the Bibles next to your seats or as well as on the screen. This is God's word. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Our God of grace, as we come into this uh, room and it becomes a place of worship for an hour once a week, we come, uh, just as this space is used for all kinds of different things, this group of people comes from all different kinds of places and journeys and different kinds of experiences with you or with the church or with Jesus. And some of us come this morning and we need a hopeful message because we've been depressed, we've been discouraged, we've been cynical, we've been overwhelmed by news reports. Others of us come this morning and uh, there's things in our lives that are new, that are fresh, that are exciting, and we're thankful, we're excited, we're glad. Others of, of us are, are excited to have a day where we go visit family maybe the rest of the day in the afternoon, and others of us maybe are are not looking forward to it because family, maybe, for some of us, has not been a fertile ground for growth and healing for us yet. So we come with all kinds of different uh, things on our hearts, and I pray that we would find ourselves and just be, be able to be honest with ourselves that really we're all in the same boat. We're all in need of your grace every minute, and we're all more of a mess than we care to admit. And may we hear again today on this Easter morning the truth that amidst our mess, it is true because of what you have done through Christ, that even though we're more of a mess than we care to admit, we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever imagined. We have been validated and welcomed into your presence, not on our own doing, but because of your redemption operation through Jesus. And may that speak to us now in mysterious and hopeful ways as we consider the empty tomb. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So let me just say a few words about this and about, you know, this passage that we just read from Matthew 28. And I want to start by saying that Christians have a, uh, we have an old simple thing that um, is sort of a back and forth thing we say on Easter and we haven't done it yet this morning so I'm going to try it. If you know the reply, you can say it. He is risen. He is risen. 
bunch of you know that. In case you didn't and you had to learn, let's try it one more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I think two more people said it the second time. <laughs> he is risen. That's, that's three words. He, right? Three, he is risen. And it's an unbelievable combination of words. And today we're talking about the unbelievable. Last week, the question of the week, a bunch of people filled it out, and the question of the week said, what, what unbelievable thing happened to you? And so here's some of the answers. Someone said, another three words, she said yes. <laughs> um, someone else said, uh, I became a Christian. That's the unbelievable thing that happened. God intervened in the mess I was making of my life and changed everything. Someone said, I lost my wallet three times in one year, and all three times it was returned to me. <laughs> cool. Anybody have that happen before? Okay. Um, yeah. Somebody else said, um, save the best for last, my friend saw the Easter bunny in her closet. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, as we think about Matthew 28 and the story of these women coming to this empty tomb and seeing an angel, I want, you to, I want you to know that the events of Matthew 28 were unbelievable and just as unbelievable to them and the original people who heard them and eventually believed them. It was difficult and troubling to believe. We're not going to have chronological snobbery and imagine that these people were dumb and they, didn't, they weren't sophisticated enough to know that someone who's dead doesn't stay dead. They knew that. Someone who's dead stays dead, doesn't rise from the dead. That doesn't happen. It was anecdotally proven in all of their lives, all of the early people who believed this and who spread this story. They weren't also, they weren't expecting it. Their worldviews, both the Jewish worldview and the Greek worldview of the day, didn't support resurrection as it happened. It wasn't a thing they were programmed to understand and believe and just immediately incorporate into their life. It was unbelievable and it was so unbelievable that they didn't expect it and that these two women, these two Marys, are walking up to this empty or this tomb, they don't know it's empty, and they're walking up the same way anybody else would who's experienced the grief and the trouble of this world. They're approaching this tomb and it seems like the bad has won out. And they're probably feeling pretty cynical and hopeless. You ever been there? Does it ever seem like the bad is winning out? Has the bad ever been winning out in your life, in your family, in different... I mean, it, have you ever felt cynical and hopeless amidst maybe in your disintegrating marriage? Maybe in your extended family, in the disintegrating relationships? Maybe in your employment status, maybe in your relationship status. Hopeless, cynical, the bad is winning out. Maybe you've felt that in your grief. Maybe you've felt that in your depression. Maybe you've felt that just when you read the newspaper in the morning. Anybody felt that this week? Hopeless, cynical, the bad is winning out, the death and lack of peace. Maybe you felt it in ways that seem like, it seems like humanity just never seems to learn from our collective mistakes and just keeps mucking things up instead of bringing about more justice, more health, more renewal, more peace, more life. 
And so a couple of Marys come up. They're walking up in that mode. They're walking up to this tomb, hopeless and cynical, to grieve at the grave. And before them stand a couple of strong guys, some powerful warrior buff guys, the ones guarding the tomb. There's a couple of guys stationed at the tomb to keep, I guess, people from taking Jesus' body out is what they were worried about. So these powerful men stand there, and to the two Marys walking up, these men are a reminder of who's in charge and how the world works, a reminder not to get your hopes up. Just another reminder in the life of these two women that cynicism and hopelessness are what wins out. And we often join these Marys in that feeling as the powers that be remind us that they seem to be at the helm of a sinking ship. Let the hopelessness and cynicism commence. Not so, says Matthew. Not so, says this angel and this empty tomb. And and then Jesus, not so. Jesus shows up. There's, There's not a second. This story like just springs to life telling us there's not a second for your cynicism and hope to hang out, to linger, and to flourish. In fact, there's a slide, uh, Dan, if you'll find it. If, even if you, carefully, if you carefully study this text and look at it closely, the words are jumping out at you. The action words, the life. There's no room in this story for any further depression, discouragement, cynicism, and hopelessness. There's all this going and coming and looking and seeing and telling. There's instructions. Go. Tell, don't be afraid. No time left for death, for hopelessness, for cynicism. That's right. Beckett knows what's going on. And isn't it hilarious, I think it is, that these symbols of Virile life, these strong, mighty warrior men stationed at the tomb, I guess to keep Jesus in. The, the stones rolled away. There's, there's no death in the tomb. But the two most lively, or maybe two, maybe there was more, the lively guys standing out front are now the only ones anywhere in sight that seem dead. These dead, bo- these dead bodies sitting around in front of an empty tomb. It, it maybe is just a rule of thumb in life that if there's ever an open grave, don't be mistaken for the person closest to it that looks dead. Um, I mean, that's kind of the, that's the deep irony of this story that you don't even catch, just the hilarity of it as you're reading through this. That's how little room there is for any of that sense of just feeling overwhelmed and discouraged and hopeless in our world amidst the powers that be. Can I get an amen? Someone? The story of the empty tomb and all its facets declares and proclaims and announces to our lives, God is confidently at the helm. God has things handled. And the careful student of the Bible will even notice that the telling of the resurrection of the crucified adult mirrors very much the telling of the story of the infant Jesus coming to life in the first place. There's angels, there's instructions, there's 
life and safety amidst the powers that be that seem insurmountable. And yet, the way the story is told, God has it handled because He gets involved in this world and He is bringing life in this world. To be a Christian is to, to walk around, to wake up in the morning and to grab hold of a confidence that God has things handled and that He gets Himself involved, gets His hands dirty in our world. And he's bringing about life, and life is going to win out over death. That's what it means to be a Christian. And you don't always feel it, and you don't even always believe it, even when you're a Christian. So we need this story, and we need Easter, and we need every Sunday, which Sundays are Easter celebrations 52 times a year. And there's like, a, a, you know, you and I have, a, have so many friends and some of you here today, there's a thousand good reasons people give never to explore Christianity any deeper. But those who do begin to explore Jesus, those who begin to give it a fair hearing, often what happens, very common, is that they become a little bit like the Marys in this story who went to the tomb. Is that people who begin to give Jesus a fair hearing begin to actually end up meeting the risen Jesus in all kinds of interesting, unexpected ways. And many of you, I've heard your own stories as to how that's happened. Have a run-in with the risen Jesus, a convincing run-in. Now, maybe you won't have the, you know, the three things, all, the four things all together of, man, an earth, there was an earthquake, there's an angel, there's an empty tomb, and seeing the deceased alive in front of you. Now, we might not all get lucky enough to have that kind of convincing run-in with the risen Jesus, but there are convincing run-ins nonetheless. Let me just give you one example of a Mary, modern-day Mary who was met by the risen Jesus. He's reading this book by Francis Collins. Francis Collins is a scientist, the one who, was, who headed the Human Genome Project and wrote a book called The Language of God, A Scientist Presents Evidence for Belief. He describes how at the beginning, before he became a Christian, his general starting point about the whole thing was this. He says, my conclusion is that no thinking scientist could seriously entertain the possibility of God without committing some sort of intellectual suicide. And yet an experience, as he got through medical school and began practicing, an experience with a suffering patient asking him just a simple question, what do you believe? sent him into a sort of the realm of intellectual exploration when he realized he didn't really have a good answer. He eventually stumbled on C.S. Lewis's book called Mere Christianity and the concept of uh, moral law, an interesting argument that C.S. Lewis makes for how we are all connected to God and spiritual. And his defenses began, started to relax. And he writes, I started on this journey of intellectual exploration to confirm my atheism, that now lay in ruins as the argument from moral law and many other issues forced me to admit the plausibility of the God hypothesis. Faith in God now seemed more rational than belief. Now I could list many other stories that tell the same encounter with the risen Jesus in different ways. There's even this great quote in the worship guide where Rosaria Champagne Butterfield, if I'm saying her name right, she writes this, how do I tell you about my conversion to Christianity without making it sound like an alien abduction or a train wreck? <laughs> Truth be told, it felt like a little of both. 
She goes on to say, Had a pastor named Ken Smith not shared the gospel for me with me for years and years over and over again, not in some used car salesman way, but in an organic, spontaneous, and compassionate way, those questions might still be lodged in the crevices of my mind. And listen to this, I might never have met the most unlikely of friends, Jesus Christ himself. So all kinds of Marys, Marys who meet Jesus in their periods of empty success, who meet Jesus in their depression, who meet Jesus in their tragic failures, who meet him in the beauty of nature, or even, believe it or not, in reading the Bible. And they all had their objections, and their objections weren't enough to overcome the gracious arrival of a loving God in their life. And so, since these two original Marys were commissioned to go and tell and stop being afraid, more and more people have moved from the confines of cynicism to the freedom of hope of a lively Jesus bringing unstoppable life to every instance of deadness in the world. That's what it means when I say, He is risen. He is risen Let's pray. Our God of grace, would you help us as we consider the power of this day and the message of this day. We so need this hope, and yet it is so hard to hang on to. Would you help us to believe it? Those of us who are struggling to even make sense of it today, would you help us to understand and know that this is a safe place to ask questions? For those of us who it has gone cold for a long time, would you bring new life would you blow the wind of your Holy Spirit in to bring us into the, the work of bringing new life to this world alongside with you? And for those of us who are excited and are feeling it, may we take the challenge to go and tell. Help all of us, from young and old, to taste and to see that you are alive and that you are good. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.